Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Hi, and welcome to... The Undead Version of the Tom Hartman Program. Today we're going to discuss the plight of zombies around the world. But before we do, let me introduce my first guest, the legendary author and YouTube sensation, Tom Hartman. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Joyce. Our, our in-house zombie shows up this morning. Oh my, those of you who have talked to Joyce on the phone, now you know what she looks like. Uh, pretty much every day. No, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that was that was uh, Joyce came in dressed as a zombie. For those of you listening on radio, and uh, it's it, it's a good one. Okay, we'll be talking about a couple of things today, but mostly it's just you know you and me all day, whatever you'd like to talk about. I want to get into the insidious cancer at the core of democracy that could take down Joe Biden. Billionaires and their companies now own politicians, and the Supreme Court set it all up with their poisonous Citizens United decision. We'll get into that in a minute. To start, the insidious can this is the, the title of my op-ed today at HartmanReport.com, exposed the insidious cancer at the core of democracy that could take down Biden. If President Biden's Build Back Better plan crashes and burns, and there's a very real possibility it could, um, you know, the good news, I suppose, is that Yesterday, uh, you know, today everybody in Congress is like flying home or taking the day off or whatever they're doing. But um, and so Congress, you know, reconvenes on Monday. But yesterday, they did not take a vote on the on the BIF plan, the the, the infrastructure plan, um, because the the progressives held the line and they said, you know, no vote on BIF until we get a vote on BBB, Build Back Better. We want to vote on both. We'll vote on both. But don't just give us one of these things, you know, and, and, and we will vote on it after the Senate has voted on, on both. So we're wait. or actually the House has voted, you know, after we voted on both of them. So, you know, good on them, right? Uh, you know, uh, Indivisible sent out an email saying the, the progressives have held the line. You know, this is a great day in America. And I was impressed, actually, that most of the media did not run with the story, progressive sabotage Biden. Instead, they pointed out that two senators, Manchin and Cinema, have sabotaged this entire thing. They've cut it in half. They've gutted a whole bunch of good stuff out of it. I'm not gonna go through that list because it's just, it's just depressing. But there's a lot of good stuff left. But that might not even pass. And why might not that pass? Because Manchin and Cinema are taking money from the fossil fuel industry and from, from uh, the, the, the uh, big pharma specifically with cinema that's in fact negotiating medicare drug prices is out they're not even going to consider that because kirsten cinema was like hey those people give me millions of dollars are you or you know whatever they give her um are you kidding we're not going to regulate drug prices and of course in the house you've got you know josh gottheimer and uh you know all the the, the so-called problem solvers caucus the you know saying essentially the same thing So what's behind all this? Well, it's the Supreme Court. In their 2010 Citizens United decision, they basically said, if money in politics, that's not corruption, that's not bribery, that's free speech. And corporations, they're not corporations, they're persons. 
and they have the right to free speech guaranteed by the First Amendment, that I guarantee you when the, when the First Amendment was written, the framers of the Constitution who were writing it believed it applied to human beings. But here we are. And this is not only has the potential to destroy Biden's presidency, but it also is destroying the planet. Case in point, yesterday you had uh, Congressman Khanna's uh, subcommittee grilling four CEOs of big oil. This was the House Judiciary Committee subcommittee on antitrust, commercial, and administrative law. And Ro Khanna was asking them, I mean, he's, he, he came right out and asked him, will you stop running ads that lie about climate change? And they were like, screw you, Congressman. I, it was just breathtaking. So why, do, why are they so unafraid of the power of Congress? Because they own Congress. They own the entire Republican Party. That was obvious when the Republicans had chances to ask questions. The questions were variations on, uh, sir, may I fluff your pillow? Are you comfortable? Because they're, you know, they're wholly owned subsidiaries of big everything in America, the Republican Party. They've sold out completely. And you've got, you know, a good-sized handful of Democrats in the House and obviously two of them in the Senate who have also sold out. And this would have been illegal before Citizens United. And frankly, it's disgusting right now. And when you look at what it has done, right, the majority of Americans don't want Medicare privatized. In fact, they want it expanded. Instead, we've got 40% of Medicare now privatized through, the, through Bush's Medicare Advantage scams. The majority of Americans don't want our post office gutted. Instead, when back in 2006, when the post office announced that they were going to uh, electrify the largest vehicle, vehicle fleet in America, their cars, their delivery vehicles, Congress immediately got into the act and said, ho, ho, you know, at the behest of the fossil fuel industry, we can't have that. You've got to set aside $5 billion a year into a trust fund for 70 years from now when your people who are not yet even born begin to retire. And Louis DeJoy is using that budget hole as an excuse to gut the post office. The majority of Americans are like debt-free college, like every other country in the world. But the $1.5 trillion student loan industry just made a few phone calls. And that vanished from the Build Back Better program. The majority of American citizens would like a national health care system that actually works. But the health insurance company laid a million dollars on Joe Lieberman. And he, and he killed the public option, so we're left with $5,000 deductibles in, in Obamacare. The majority of Americans want something done about high drug prices, but Kurt Schrader, Scott Peters, Kathleen Rice, Kirsten Sinema, and a few others, wholly owned members of Congress, said no. The majority of Americans want their banks to stop hitting them with absurd fees for the smallest errors and would like some occasional customer service. Big banking pulls a few strings, and the senators are dancing like marionettes. The majority of Americans want something done about climate change before our planet becomes uninhabitable. Big coal and gas lit a fire under Joe Manchin, and hey, that's the end of that. The majority of Americans are like open and transparent elections, and for their democracy to work like in other countries where the politicians can't be bribed. But sorry, neo-fascist right-wing billionaires have the final say on that, and it's not looking good. The majority of Americans would like net neutrality and for corporations to stop spying on them. Well, big tech just leans on a few members of Congress that they own, and that's the end of that. The majority of Americans would like well-funded public schools that teach things like civics and, and critical thinking skills. But the multi-billion dollar charter school industry gets the last word. The majority of Americans would like to be free of gun violence in our homes and in our streets, while the gun industry gets the final say here. The majority of Americans would like good union jobs, but the nation's giant employers have paid off politicians to gut union protections. The majority of Americans would like a food supply free of toxic chemicals that harm children and cause cancer. But giant fast food and processed food companies just laugh at them while their buddies in the chemical industry hold their beer. Hell, the President of the United States would like all these things, and a few more. But he's certainly not going to get them because the Supreme Court gave corporations and right-wing billionaires final say over every piece of legislation. We are ripped off left and right from airplane tickets to cell phone service to cable TV and the Internet. Citizens of Europe, South Korea, Japan, they pay on average half of what we do for 
phone service, cable, you know, the cell phone service, cable TV, and the internet. Because they don't allow monopolies, they enforce competition. Here, every industry is dominated by three to five major corporations. The Supreme Court brought us this. And here's the irony. The only way we're going to get money out of politics is to elect politicians who are saying, I'm not going to take money. And there's some really good news in that regard. Ten years ago, or thereabouts, I did a fundraiser for the Progressive Caucus. At the time, Raul Grijalva was the head of it. There were maybe five or six politicians who showed up. I think the caucus probably had a dozen members at the time. And we had maybe 100 people show up. As I recall, this was down in New Mexico. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a small event. Here we are a decade later, the Progressive Caucus, the, the Congressional Progressive Caucus, is apparently the most powerful caucus in Congress. They just, you know, look at what they did with the Build Back Better bill. They're saying, no, it's going to work. It's going to be done right. And these are people, these, these uh, almost 100 members of the House and a, and a few in the Senate, who have come right out and said, we're not going to take corporate PAC money. So, you know, this is the good news. We are seeing progressive candidates coming out and saying this. And even, I mean, you know, Donald Trump got elected by saying, I used to own politicians. I'd give them money, and then when I needed them, I'd call them and they'd be there for me. And he, uh, you remember the, the debate in 2015 where all the Republicans were on stage and he says, I'm not owned by these pieces. I'm not accepting any money from anybody. Nobody has control of, of me other than the people here. But these, you know, and then he points to the other Republicans on the stage. He says, the donors, the special interests, the lobbyists, they have a very strong power over these people. Pointing at Jeb Bush and Marco Rubio. So, you know, the good news of that is even Republicans are discussed. They voted for Donald Trump because he said this stuff. That's how he won the Republican primary. Even Republican voters are disgusted by big money owning our politics. So what do we do? There's an election coming up in a year, a year from next week. In the meantime, there's going to be a bunch of primaries. We need to get money out of politics. And the way to do that is to elect people who are funding their campaigns with small dollar donations rather than money from big corporations to elect progressives or if, if there's any Republican out there who's willing to say I'm gonna run for office without corporate money elect them too I don't know of any maybe you know of one Adam Kinzinger by the way just said he's gonna drop out of the race he's not gonna run for re-election he's being beat up for being on the January 6th committee but this election is coming up, and we have to do everything we can to identify, elect, and support politicians who openly and sincerely pledge never to sell their souls to big money. We can do that. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's kind of a, uh, was it Dickens or Chekhov? It's the best of times. It was the worst of times moment. Yeah, here we are. We'll be right back. in Lucerne, California. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. I'd like to remind America that the most committed individual wins the fight. Throughout our history, all the social change in our country has not been done by the many. It's been done by the few dragging the many. We're at a crossroads right now in our country. We have about 15 to 20% that want to go down the religious oligarchy road, kill fascism, I mean, kill democracy, replace it with fascism. 20 to 25% of us want to go down the Green New Deal road. Now, which of these two groups is going to be the most committed will win this fight. And they will drag the country down whatever road they want to go down. You have to join our local Democratic Party. That's how we get to stand up candidates that are going to pledge only to take people's Amen. Amen. It's the, it's the local, the it's, the, it's the precinct committee persons who decide who actually gets to run in the primaries. I'm a precinct committee person now. God bless you, Paul. Okay. Good on I you. I worked my way up from the club. I got in there and I'm respected. I do my research. I hold the people to the, I hold their feet to the fire. I ask tough questions. I influence people in my committee with my questions. 
That's great. I've been told people are like, wow, be careful. John asked some really gnarly questions. You better have your stuff together. Yeah. So if I could do it, you can too. It's only a couple hours a month here, people. We are trying to fight for our democracy, and the most committed individual wins. So it's time for us to get committed. There you go. Paul, brilliant. Thank you so much, and, and thanks for the great work you're doing. I, it's just marvelous. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Yep. Thank you. Debbie in Oakland, California. Hey, Debbie, what's on your mind today? Actually, I'm beginning to think that maybe we should break up the country. I mean, How? You know, red states and blue states, you know, some some want to secede. I'm thinking maybe we should just let them. I mean, A, in California, I'm tired of supporting poor red states. You're talking you know, about abandoning millions of people, though, Debbie. You know, a lot yeah, of them call well, into this program. <laughs> I mean, what are you, you going to... Well, sorry, but I mean, I'm beginning to think it's too late because one guy stands up and says, hey, why don't we get the guns and go kill all the liberals? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, I'm beginning to think it's too late for this country when you got people talking like that. Well, there are two major forces that are driving that kind of behavior. One is Fox News and the other is Facebook. And, uh, you know, I don't see anything being done... I, you know, I don't see the, well, the billionaires. I quit Facebook. Say that again? I quit Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so well, uh, you know, I'm I've, beginning to think that maybe we should be two countries. Yeah. I don't see any 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 way to get there, though, Debbie. I, I mean, that's the problem is, is uh, sure, you know, move to a blue state. But a lot of people can't do that. And, and the cost of living is a lot lower in red states. I get it that the benefits are lower, too. But for people on fixed incomes... People living on Social yeah. Security, things like that. Um, you know, many of them can't afford to live in California, or maybe they would have to move to a rural area. But even there, I mean, it's just it's it's a tough one. I and I, you know, I get your your concern. I'm I, I'm not willing to completely go there. I, I think that you know, despair is a is a is a road that paralyzes, and I'm not willing to walk down it. But Debbie, thank you for the call. It is an interesting question. If we were to divide up America, red and blue. How would we do that? It just doesn't seem, I, you know, maybe I'm missing something. Russ in Hickory Hill, Illinois. Hey, Russ, what's on your mind today? As usual, Tom, I talk about my boy. They had his stats out for Joe Manson. Zero billionaires live in West Virginia, Tom. 300,000 people live in poverty. That's over 20%. And he's still protecting them? I, I tell you what, Tom, West Virginia, Arkansas are the two fastest states that people are packing up and getting out. Then it's Ohio, Kansas, and Oklahoma. You see a pattern? All yeah. red states that are losing their population. Tom, he's 74. I can't believe he's going to run in 2024. No, he's not. I, this guy is, a, I think he's just sitting there sucking the money up and saying, Screw you, West Virginia. I'm going to stick a thumb right in your eye. Twenty percent of your people live in poverty, and you you don't want to protect them. Right. And 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 the fastest way out of poverty is education, and you don't want to guarantee a free college education. Tom, you telling me they don't have a billionaire? I thought their governor was a billionaire. With all that, he's really rich. I don't know if he's a billionaire or not. There's no according to uh, the stats that came out on TV. 300,000 people live in, in poverty in West Virginia. That's a good 20%, and they're the number one state where they're leaving, Tom. Yeah. Them in Arkansas. And wait, Sarah Huckabee's their governor next year. <laughs> That'll really put an acceleration on people getting out of the state. Sarah I am just stunned. Sarah Huckabee is running for governor of Arkansas? Right. Next year, and they, let, they put the money on that. She'll be the next governor with her father helping her. Oh, yeah. 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 And, well, he was, he's the what? former he, governor, isn't he? Right. And every time I turn on the people, Tom, I hate to say it when I'm up, you know, watching TV, Huckabee's out there campaigning for the Jewish fund relief to help all these old Jewish Holocaust people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's this is this is Huckabee trying to trying to uh, shed his image as a uh, basically a neo-fascist and a racist. Right, right. And, you know, let's be honest, if you watch the commercial, though, Tom, yeah. they live in wooden huts. I mean, it's pathetic how these people, and he's trying to say that he's a Jewish Christian now yeah. raising money for them. 
I'm, I'm gagging over it. I'm going, yeah, mm-hmm, sure. But, I mean, Tom, you don't want to give nothing to the poor, Joe Manchin. Yeah, no, I get it. And Kirsten Cinema too. It's like, you know, there's a, a, and Russ, thank you for the call. It's a giant, I got mine, screw you moment right now in American politics. And like I said in my opening rant, this was brought to you courtesy of the United States Supreme Court. We're actually five conservatives on the United States Supreme Court. All four liberals said, whoa, this is this Citizens United thing is nuts. Don't do it. But they did it anyway. Tom Harbin here with you. Israel in Chandler, Arizona. Hey, Israel, what's on your mind today? Good morning, Tom. It, it appears that might be a theme to some of your callers this morning. What I contend is that we're in the... Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Death spiral of an empire. I think the ink wasn't dry on our Constitution way back in 1789 when we were already pushing westward from the 13 colonies, stealing lands from nations that had been there for millennia, killing whole numbers of, of, of Native Americans. And we went on that way for 100 years till we stretched coast to coast. When we got, the, when we got done with that in 1898, we went to war with Spain on trumped-up uh, charges or trumped up excuse and began taking lands uh, uh, Puerto Rico, Cuba, the Philippines. And we've behaved like an empire for that long. And, you know, as Reverend Wright said way back in 2002, our chickens have come home to roost. Yeah, they really have. And the question is, is it's not all dire. I think the question is, who are we going to be in our rebirth? Will we be Rome, where everything goes into a dark age? Or will we be Britain that decided we can't rule a global empire? It's just not right. And and grant or give the other nations, India, Canada, uh, the the African colonies that they had, their freedom. You right. know, it, Australia who are too. we going to be? Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's an, an excellent question. question. It's an excellent question, Israel. And I and I think that the analogy with with Great Britain is a really powerful one. Because they did decide after World War One, by and large, uh, okay, we're not going to be an empire anymore. We're, we'll be happy to be a country, you know, with a couple of really, really tight allies and, and you know, kind of friendship agreements. Um, but uh, yeah, and the United States is going to have to make that decision. The problem is yeah. that so many of our decisions right now, our entire decision-making process, in fact, has been polluted by big money by corporate money and by by right-wing billionaire money and you know again the supreme court made this possible but if we don't get that money out of politics if we don't start electing politicians who are beholden to the interests of the united states rather than the interests of the corporations and billionaires in the united states uh, we are going to go the way of rome i you know it's, it's just yeah. there's no doubt about it because that's what happened to rome you know it got corrupted yeah, from I within know. by money uh, toward the end, uh, you know, so, yeah, I'm with you. Israel, thank I, you. Uh, well, good rant. Uh, well well said. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, what's on your mind today? Don't worry about that, Professor. You and me ain't going to let that happen. Okay. Uh, this, is what I, this is what I called you about. Now, the Democrats now, this is what they got to do. They got to come, they got to call out the government insurrectionists. We got some insurrectionists that are employed by the government. We got to put them on blast with no fear. There are enough Americans, all the ethnicities, that would appreciate that. I'm talking about the select committee. Uh, okay, I was wondering when they're going to issue that first subpoena and, and have that guy defy it and pick it up. But we need to show the public 
that there is a rule of law, there is justice in America. Now, how do we do that now with commercials? When we start arresting billionaire people. Now, Professor, we got to come out hard. Now, these guys got 40 years on us. They got the filibuster. They got the electoral college. And you were talking the other day about AM radio. My brother, my brother. Listen, I was listening to Leo Terrell, AM radio in Los Angeles, 79. These guys, they come at you or they come at their audience with lies and a mean-spirited tone. It's unbelievable. Yeah. We need to get that doctrine of uh, fairness, whatever that's called, uh, because uh, when you got people listening to that, Professor, it sounds legitimate. So we want to turn this thing around because obviously the congressional laws and stuff like that, we have a problem, right? That select committee. Boy, I wish that guy was alive working for us. Who was that guy? I couldn't think of him the other day, and you thought of him uh, back in the 50s, was putting everybody on blast. That Joe was McCarthy? Yeah, that's how you go. We need us to Joe McCarthy over here. Don't you agree? And if we can show the American public that we are arresting people, that we are really respecting uh, what took place on January the 6th, and we don't care if you are employed by the federal government, Stan Cruz, uh, 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 Mr. Cruz from Texas, or Jim Jordan, or any of those guys, we will come and pick you up. We will have you testify. We'll bring charges against you. When the American public see that, it's on. Thank you. Just, just as a thought experiment, Morris, and just to point out the, the, the diversity of response possible in the United States, just imagine if the Capitol had been attacked, if, if Barack Obama was president and the Capitol was attacked by 10,000 black people. Um, the response by the police would have been completely different. The response by Congress would have been completely different. We would be hunting people down in the streets right now. The jails would be full. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's... And, and that's the spectrum. You know, we can we can do nothing, which is typically what's done when white people commit crimes, or we can be, you know, overly punitive, which is what typically happens when black people commit crimes. Obviously, we need to hit a balance in between those two things. But but this this uh, uh, you know pathetic response to to January sixth uh, so far. I mean, yesterday you had a maybe maybe it was day before yesterday you had a judge. I think it was Beryl Stevens is the judge's name, as I recall. It's Beryl somebody. Um, uh, B-E-R-Y-L, went after the prosecutors, said, you know, these people, you know, essentially committed treason against the United States, and you're asking for them to get six months probation. Are you serious? And, and so I'm, I'm with you, Morris. We've got we to start taking names and kicking ass. Go ahead, brother. Talk to you later. Okay. Thanks a lot, Morris. Dave in Buffalo, New York. Hey, Dave, what's up? Uh, thanks, Tom. I was uh, talking to someone about the cost of gasoline going up in the next few years due to the uh, cost, the rising cost of uh, crude oil extraction. And he sent me an article from the Wall Street Journal about Saudi Arabia and administrative transportation costs two forty nine, production costs three dollars, capital spending three fifty. And he was he didn't understand or see uh, that. And I was wondering if you could uh, tell me what the differences are and, and uh, help me understand the, 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 all of it in general about costs going up, fuel costs, and if you had anything that you could put on a Twitter or a link that I could read, that would be helpful. And thank you, Tom. And one last thing, I love you and all of yours, and thank you for everything. Okay, thank you, Dave. Um, I, I, I did a deep dive on this in a book called The Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight. And basically what it is is that when oil wells are really full or early in their production cycle, it, it can cost a dollar a barrel to extract oil, and everything else that you can sell it for is profit. As the oil wells start to dry out, as they, as they get lower and lower and lower, you start having to suck a lot harder on that straw, and then it costs you know, $5 a barrel or $10 a barrel or $15 a barrel. We've got oil. We're producing oil in the United States, particularly in Texas and Oklahoma that is, and in California, that is costing as much as $30 and $40 a barrel. And that's why they shut down those oil wells and the price of oil goes down around 50 bucks a barrel. On the other hand, when, it, when it's you know, at $85 a barrel, which is where it is right now, they reopen, typically reopen those oil wells and then you get more production. But the thing that determines the price of oil is not how much it costs to produce it. Uh, what determines the price of oil is how much, is supply and demand basically, how much there is relative to the demand in the world. And as demand goes up and supply doesn't, the price of oil goes up, and that's why OPEC meets every year or every other year to determine what the, what the price, what the ceiling price is going to be, or the floor price for that matter, of oil is going to be, because they're trying to, to hit that balance between we want to screw people as much as we possibly can, we want to squeeze as much profit out of this oil as we can, but if we push it too far and oil gets too expensive, 
then you know then it, we're just encouraging people to go to solar and wind and we don't want to do that so they're doing this delicate dance so that's that's how it works dave and I, I hope that was useful to you mary gay in spokane washington hey mary gay what's up hi tom hey. um i'm i'm confused about the federalists versus the anti-federalists okay um, you mean back with, at the at the beginning of the republic? At the beginning, yeah. Right. And how come the Federalist Society is championing states' rights? Well, the Federalist anyway. the Federalist Society yeah. has little to do with federalism. They just you know got a word that would mm -hmm. pull good with conservatives. Um, the, yeah. the the Federalists, broadly speaking, were those people who were in favor of the Constitution. Um, now, over time, over the course of the next thirty years. Uh, the Federalists uh, changed, shall we say, their position in a number of ways, particularly during the John Adams presidency. They became, you know, John Adams was a Federalist, and, and he became kind of a neo-Federalist. He became uh, uh, essentially a neo-fascist, shut down over 30 newspapers, uh, put newspaper editors in jail for writing editorials. One, uh, Benjamin Franklin uh, Bach, who was the grandson of Ben Franklin, John Adams put him in prison for writing a, an op-ed in which he said that President Adams was, quote, old, toothless, querulous, and balding, end quote. And uh, so, you know, the, the Federalists went from being the people who were in favor of the Constitution, the Anti-Federalists being the people who thought, you know, hey, the Articles of Confederation were fine, or we're not happy with all the stuff that's in the Constitution, or, you know, whatever. And the Anti-Federalists lost that battle, um, you know, t into becoming uh, basically the, the governing political par party until they collapsed in the 18-teens and 1820s and were, were surpassed by the Whigs. The Whigs picked up that baton, and then the Whigs carried that until the 1850s, 1860s, and they were uh, replaced by the Republican Party. And ever since then, the Republican Party has held that space that the Federalists and the Whigs held. Basically, the conservative were here for the rich people uh, space. So, I, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't know if that, <laughs> the, you know, the, the history of it is really kind of complex, but, but in, in some ways it, it's mm -hmm. fairly simple. And, and the Federalist Society is just, you know, like what the Federalist Party became by, by 1800. Well, certainly by, by 1796, when John Adams was elected, the Federalist Party had become basically the party of the wealthy in the United States. So the Federalist Society representing those interests makes perfect sense. Mary Gay, thanks a lot for the call. Hope that's helpful. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. And it's Halloween. Got a good ghost story? Daryl in Seattle, Washington. Hey, Daryl, what's on your mind today? Okay, first of all, I don't think Sarah Huck will be, has a chance unless she changes her hairdresser. Mm. And, oh, is that bad? No, anyway, it's, it's not, but, I mean, her her appearance harkens back to the 50s in many ways. I mean, she, that's she kind right. of it's pro a projects that. Hair, she's a cheapskate or something. I don't know. She's well, I, no, I think it's more 1950s, you know, back, back to is. the era where, you know, as the, the Republicans would say, you know, people knew their gender roles or they knew their place or whatever, and, and, and and I think that appeals to a lot of, you know, white Southern patriarchal, racist, et cetera's. Let me diverge for just a second. I was talking to a friend about the South and Mrs. Green, Miss Green, who I despise, that if we hadn't given the South an armistice and declared them as treasonous, which you uh, bring up quite frequently, and taken away their guns, maybe we wouldn't have been in the spot we are today. Oh, yeah. We gave them the leeway to think that the crackers, whatever, you know, yeah. they rule. Uh, no, anyway, Ulysses Tom, Grant was doing a good job of holding the South under control, and then in the election of 1876, that all went to hell. You're absolutely right. He was, he was a good general, Tom. I thought yeah. he, they all drank. Lee, they all drank a lot. Yeah, no, and, Grant uh, was a serious alcoholic, but he was, <laughs> you know, it, you, I, I haven't read his entire autobiography, but I read some pretty good-sized chunks of it. He was a very, very smart man. Very thoughtful. Yeah, I know he was. New book on him, too. I don't know the title. But, um, Tom, about 45 years ago, I was living in Europe. All the places that you mentioned that you love. Ich kann gut Deutsch sprechen. Austria. And Denmark. And all these socialist places. And it really works. 
I better cut to the chase here. You'll cut me off. But uh, I inherited an apartment house on Capitol Hill in Seattle. My mother died of cancer, and I was called back to deal with I'm an only child to deal with it. 16 units, and uh, geez, after about two months, I understood what Dylan was singing when he said, Dear Landlord. Mm. And one of my um, my tenants was kind of shy, and, but they uh, we had a couple beers together. I didn't know nothing about him except he was Southern Californian. And his girlfriend comes down to the uh, manager, I'm the owner, and she knocks on the door frantically, and I go up there and I resurrect him. He had a needle in his arm. And uh, I had CPR in the Army, so I brought him to life, and he gave me uh, a whole bunch of money for this business of mine that's flourishing today in the Pike Place market. And uh, he uh, he opened up over a period of time. I found this was the most wealthy family, the founding family of, in real estate in Southern California. And he opened up with his story. It was just incredible. He um, You got 15 seconds, Daryl. His, fa- his father uh, was contacted by Motorola, and they had a transistor, and they didn't know what to do with it, so he called his friend Mr. Mitsubishi, and it was all over. I bought my Motorola for 40 bucks, and it was all over. You drive a Toyota, I drive a Toyota. Yeah. You cannot find an American car in our parking lot yeah, today. Yeah, and it's kind of a sad thing. Although there, it is you know, a sad thing, but you have you have the backstory on that. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you, Daryl. That was a good one. Kind of rambling, but that was a good one. We're here on the Tom Hartman program, back with more of your calls in just a second. Here on the Tom Hartman program, and Mike in Bailey, Colorado. Hey, Mike, what's on your mind today? Hey, I know you keep up to date on everything, Tom. I didn't realize that Ted Cruz had taken a court case all the way up to the district courts for recuperating more than two hundred and twenty-five or two hundred fifty thousand dollars of monies that he loaned to his campaign. Uh, I didn't know about I that did. either. Well, I just it kind of popped just the other the last night. I had I saw a blurb about it. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the FEC is now contesting the lower court's rulings. And the Supreme Court is going to hear it. So let me get this straight, Mike. Ted Cruz loans his own campaign a quarter million bucks. And then he. More than that. Okay. More. A a pile of money. And, and And then he wants his campaign to pay him back. And what? The FTC says you can't do that? Uh, no, well, no. They say two twenty-five or two fifty is the cap. I see. And he loaned his campaign like a million plus. I see. So he's trying to get that million dollars back, and they're saying you can have a quarter of it. Is that yeah. does that go back to the laws that were passed in the seventies? Uh, the you know the good government laws. I believe so. There, uh, I just happened to hear about it, and and I know you guys have a lot better researching. Uh, time and availability and well apparently and not resources. on this <laughs> this is news to well, me mike so i'll have to i'll look for it and here's oh bias well by the way i've gotten my subaru converted for strictly blue hydrogen fuel wow. and it does run <laughs> wow that's cool and i'm and now i'm going to start making my own hydrogen too <laughs> that, that, that is very cool okay mike thanks a lot for the call i, I will check the, i will check out this uh, dark money thing with ted cruz that's fascinating kenyatta in los angeles hey kenyatta what's on your mind today oh mr hartman uh on my mind today is a gentleman by the name of uh, the honorable bruce schroeder Are you familiar with him uh you uh, i'm not sure okay bruce Are you schroeder talking about is the judge, judge. Yeah. Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. In the Kyle uh, Rittenhouse probably, case. Yeah, you're probably aware that uh, on Monday, um, I'm not surprised by this, but it's nonetheless fascinating. Uh, Judge Schroeder uh, ruled that in pretrial motions that the uh, victims, the dead people that Kyle Rittenhouse shot, could not be called victims, but they could be referred to as arsonists, looters, and rioters. Exactly. Yeah, I, I ranted about this a couple of days ago. I'm, I'm with you. I th- it's, it's, and, and apparently this guy has a history of doing this kind of stuff that goes back 30 plus years. Well, you know, you had mentioned something earlier in talking to uh, another caller that uh, had 10,000 blacks stormed the Capitol 
what the outcome would have been, and you and I both know that, and I'm more painfully aware of that than you are. Yep. Uh, but let me tell you something. This is the United States. We've got a guy that shot a sitting president that's walking around free. His name is John Hinckley Jr. So clearly, uh, like there's apartheid and everything else in this country, it is most blatant and visible uh, in the justice system. And, Tom, I said this to you before. Uh, you know, people can talk about police reform and this and that, and you see where that went. Uh, it died a quick and painful death. Uh, that's moot. Until the courts are reformed, this stuff is just that, because that's where the real dirt goes down. Right. In and, the court. And, and that's why that's why the Trump administration was so hysterical about getting judges on the courts. That's Mitch McConnell's sole purpose in life. He, he canceled the summer recess just to put more judges on the courts. It is the most significant thing that Donald Trump did during his presidency, whatever you think about him. He has stacked that court, which may potentially uh, have consequences for the next half a century in the United States. Finally, let me say this to you. Uh, speaking of Rittenhouse, you know, that trial is supposed to start next week. Uh, also, uh, jury selection is in the second week of the Ahmaud Arbery trial, and that is supposed to start next week. They'll probably wrap that up. I will tell you this, Tom. I won't say what. But I can tell you, I don't know about the Rittenhouse case, but I'm pretty sure what's going to happen in the Ahmaud Arbery case. And I'll tell you this, the United States is about to get slapped in the face again with its biggest problem, its enduring problem, and that is racism, especially black racism in this society. Guaranteed. You mean, mean anti-black racism? Anti-black racism. Yeah. Yeah. You, I have my own term for it, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I absolutely I do. Blackism. And I'm sorry. I've interrupted. I call it black. I call it blackism. But yeah, the, the the thing that is very peculiar to our people, and 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 there are things that happen to black people in this country that have never happened to other people, and they continue to happen. And for people to believe that there's no nexus between these things, they are not only mental midgets; they're absolutely missing in action cerebrally. Yeah. So I just wanted to let you know that uh, there are going to be some really shocking developments in terms of these court cases in the in the week. I ago. suspect you may well be right. I mean, I, I'm I'm shocked so far by by the way that the defense is organizing themselves in both those cases. By the way, you mentioned uh, John Hinckley, who just you know got out on on parole or whatever. Um, uh, here, this is a, a true Forrest Gump kind of thing. George Herbert Walker Bush was having dinner with John Hinckley's dad when John Hinckley shot Reagan, which is why Nancy I'm Reagan. Much aware, yeah, Nancy, I'm well aware of it. Yeah, Nancy Reagan flipped out about that. And then George Herbert Walker Bush's dad was having lunch with members of the bin Laden family at the time that 9 11 wow. happened that morning. So right. it's like, you know, George Herbert Walker hey, Bush, a.k.a. Let me ask you this. I'm sorry. Let me ask you this. Honestly, do you and I know the, it's a rhetorical question, really. Do you think a black man could shoot a sitting president and be walking around to tell the story? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah, I don't. I, you know, sadly. And, and well, not sadly, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Kenyatta, thank you for the call. It's always nice to hear from yes, you. Sir. And uh, always something right to the point. Dennis in Aptos, California. Hey, Dennis, what's on your mind today? Well, Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. NetSuite.com slash Hartman. That's NetSuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Really quickly, you got to see Steve Colbert from last night. He just goes after Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to bring up what you were talking about, though, um, earlier in the show uh, about the uh, Build Back Better bill because, you know, I'm going to take it even though it doesn't have everything in it that I would have liked because it, it, it is a victory no matter how you, how you cut if it If it up. passes, Dennis. I mean, right now, oh, CNN was, is just reporting literally about five minutes ago they were reporting no that they're hearing from Mansion and Cinema that they're not going to vote for this thing. That well, it's, you know it's no what? deal. I, uh, what, what, what has to be done is put the bill out on the floor, have them vote no, and then they're going to take, uh, uh, you know what, from everybody. And um, I don't think they care. You know, I, you know, I think you know, you know, I Joe know Manchin's you know, 74 years old. He's, he's not up for re-election for another five years. He's going he's gonna to coast you know, throughout the rest of his term and, and make his money. And he's got his little coal empire, and his kids are all multimillionaires. Uh, he's, he's sitting fat and happy. He doesn't give a rat's ass what we think. And Kirsten Sinema is, is embedding herself deeply with a bunch of right-wing billionaires and big corporations. She's going to have a bright future after she leaves office. Well, I'm going to tell you something. That's going to get Democrats, I think, riled up to go out and vote in droves, even with I hope so. Because, I, you know, yeah. I think the only way to save this country is to elect more progressives. Exactly. And we have to get, you know, there has to be less corporate Democrats, way more real progressive de- Democrats like Ro Khanna. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've, got, I've got this guy, Jimmy Panetta, Leon Panetta's son. I'm not so sure where he is. Um, he apparently has taken money from a, a venture capitalist here in the Santa Cruz area who has this thing called Greenway, where they want to tear out the railroad tracks. And we just had this uh, demonstration the last two weekends here in Santa Cruz of this electric, the electric trolley, uh, the Coast Futura, as it was called. Mm -hmm. It's on YouTube. If you want to look at it, just type in Coast Futura Santa Cruz. Uh, I made some replies. Uh, And, and, you know, uh, Panetta is willing to take money from this Bud Colligan, who's this venture capitalist, this guy involved in Greenway that wants to tear off the 30 miles of railroad track to have a walk and bike trail. Like, that's going to do anybody a lot of good. Hmm. When we desperately need public transportation in this area, and all over California, and really all over the United States, because compared to Europe, it totally sucks. Yeah. I'm yeah. doing and not just way. Europe. I mean, check out China. China, yeah. in, in four years, built more rail infrastructure than the entire United States has. Um, you know, they, they, in a four-year period, they built the equivalent of a rail line from Chicago to New York City that runs at 300 miles an hour or 200 and change miles an hour. And, and, and this was a decade ago, right? I mean, you know, when they were really growing fast. And, and we're just like, we still have Amtrak that can't go over 70 miles an hour because the rail lines, the, the tracks were privatized back during the Reagan era. And, and now the private companies are like, no, we're not going to pay to upgrade our lines. Oh, I mean, yeah, they don't want to. Yeah, no, no, they're, 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 they're quite happy with what they've got. So, you know, yeah, Dennis, I'm, I'm with you. I've got, I've got to move along, but thank you for the call. Sure. Lawrence in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Lawrence, what's on your mind today? Well, I just want to talk about the Civil War and how we're heading towards the civil war. Let me let me ask you something. I've been analyzing and, and, and looking at these pundits on TV and even Merrick Garland, he, he recently said uh, that we don't, and I'm paraphrasing here, that we don't want to go after these guys too hard because it might upset them. That's, that's basically what he was saying. So at some point, we're going to have to lay down the gauntlet. And let me ask you this. Why did we have a civil war if we can talk through everything? At some point, the talking has got to be over. And this is what I'm saying. At some point, the Democratic Party must say, I don't care about what you guys think. We're in power now. This is what we're going to do. At some point, the Democratic Party must not be afraid 
they must go forward with their agenda. At some point, the Democratic Party must make these people be held accountable. And here's the thing, Tom. If they do not, you're going to lose. The Democratic Party will lose big. And then you ask yourself, how is that possible? How is that possible uh, McCullough in Virginia is so closely with this, with this uh, other, with the Republican num- uh, Republican uh, candidate. Right. How Glenn is Youngkin. that possible when you got a guy like Trump? And and I'll just tell you one more thing: when you got a guy, a, a, a constituent in Boise, Idaho, that says, "When do we get the guns out?" When you got a representative, I think his name was Madison Carthorn, he said that I want to see bloodshed. I want a civil war. He said, I, I don't want to see bloodshed, but I want a civil war. At what point do the Democratic Party say, okay, this is what we're going to do? I, I'm asking you, can you help me out here? I, I, don't, I don't have a glib answer for you, Lawrence. What I do know is that the lesson of, uh, one of the lessons that I got from the, the little history of the civil war that I've read was that the white racists were the ones who essentially fired first. And, and who, are, who are willing to use violence to defend their white supremacy and to defend their, their uh, desire to have absolute and utter control over not only people of color, but poor people as well. Um, there were a lot of white poor people who were under the thumb of, of the white supremacists in the Confederate South, and many of them left the South and joined the Union armies. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, it was the white racists who were, who were absolutely willing to use violence, and, and I fear that we are seeing the same thing right now. It's not, it's not progressives or Democrats who are talking about, let's get guns and go in the streets. In fact, it's not progressives and Democrats who are doing that. It's people like you know, Kyle Rittenhouse, who, who is you know, watching Fox News and, and immersing himself in these white supremacist Facebook groups and things like that. And uh, you know, I think that's very and troubling. what we do? Yeah, it's, well, I, I think we have to be, number one, we have to be defensive, um, but I think that we hold up the values of democracy and move forward in a positive way. I, I, I just I don't think that you can fight fire with fire here unless unless you just want a huge you know forest fire unless you unless you want a conflagration. Um, I, you know, maybe, maybe so. Yeah. Are we going to continue? Yeah. To be I don't. I don't have an easy answer, Lawrence. Thank you. It's talk media for the sane among us. Park, California. Hey, Sydney, what's on your mind today? Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Tom. Uh, listen, it doesn't really matter that I'm a progressive, a pragmatic progressive. Just hear me out, okay? Because sure. what matters, like you said, is that positive, you know, where are we, what are we doing right now? What are we going to do long term? Right now, Virginia needs us, okay? So mm-hmm. I just wanted to invite everybody Come out to the Virginia Turnout Project. Make some calls. There's, I've been talking to people all week in Virginia. They're terrified because they see the Trump signs. And when I look and see what uh, Terry uh, McAuliffe is doing, I mean, he's literally vetoing and fighting, you know, against these gun laws that are so prevalent, like in Charlottesville, Virginia. I mean, you know, and he brought 200,000 good jobs. I mean, like, let's look at the people, like, because here's what I'm about. Like, I want to elect progressive yes i want everyone at the table but let's also back people like stacy abrams fair fight who she just literally from her own organization paid 108,000 um people's medical bills 1.4 yes. billion Isn't that amazing she knows what she's it's amazing she knows what she's doing swalwell you know all of these like they're, they're democrats and they have they're working so hard tooth and nail but they totally need the progressive voice and that push too so how do we bridge the communication well first representation we've always been saying hey how what do we do representation go to postcards to swing states.com that's a progressive way that you like i just wrote 25 postcards talking to, listening to you just now then jump, we're going to jump on the phone to Virginia, talk to Virginians, get them out of their fear, make sure they have everything they need to vote, and make sure they know Terry McAuliffe really does have your back for what you say you want. But And then if there's a you know another progressive that can run in a state that's winnable, see, I'm just like about, and I heard an African-American representative, this is my last point, African representative on, on TV yesterday, I can't for the life of me remember his name, unfortunately, but he said, 
we will live another day to fight every to fight another battle. So this is not done. Whether you know we agree to this, I, I hope we do because this has a lot of climate stuff. It's urgent. We need that now. But the next day, we can build on that and we can push back. But together, because if we start branching out and like, well, this is a more, more, more progressive one, and this is a more, more, more one. Well, then, okay, but let's 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 focus on the momentum of the people that are already backing us up. May not be perfect every single thing we want, like President Biden says. But as we all learned after the election, he is more progressive than more people gave him credit for, and he really, truly is. He's trying so hard. He really is. He's not perfect. <laughs> He's not yeah. perfect. No, I'm, I'm with you, Sydney. Thank you so much. I, I think what, what uh, President Biden has done, and I think more and more Democrats are going to be doing this, is uh, has figured out that over the last 20 years, America has, has uh, gradually and then rapidly, I'd say over the last six or seven years, moved away from that kind of middle-of-the-road centrist, oh, yeah, we'll just muddle through perspective and really has become a progressive country. We, we are, we're looking around yes. the world and saying, we really do want free education. We do really do want a national health care system. We really are sick and tired of these parasites, these giant corporations that have, you know, have put their suckers into our backs and are draining us of our blood. You know, we want to move forward. And uh, good yes. on you, Sydney. I we can sign that pledge, Tom. I'm so sorry to interrupt, but your point was so important. We can start that pledge. I just talked to the Our Revolution people yesterday. The pledge that says, we're on a path to remove Citizens United. That's what we want. There you go. Starting now. There you go. <laughs> Amen, Tom. Sorry to interrupt, but that was no, your point. It's all good. To make sure it was heard. You are a hero, Sydney. Uh, thank thank you. you. You are my hero. Thank Join you so us, much. Please. Keep it up. Right, Keep bye it bye. up. Okay, good talking to you. Jeff in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, Tom. Fun show opening with Joyce today, and uh, safe and ho happy holiday weekend to everybody. Tom, let me just start by uh, giving props to Pramila Jayapal and the Progressive Caucus. You know, oh, they man. stood yeah, they stood strong stared and stared down that effort to ram the BIF bill through without the reconciliation bill. And I think uh, Pramila Jayapal, she exhibited a lot of grit and grace uh, forcing the media to cover the story in a fair way, as you uh, stated in the opening, uh, in your opening comments. And, you know, also, Tom, FDR on the campaign trail in 1932 said, quote, we need to correct by drastic means, if necessary, the faults in our economic system from, from which we now suffer, unquote. And, you know, that's what the Build Back Better Act begins to address. And, uh, you know, and, and we really need to be getting on the phones with uh, our congresspeople um, and letting them know they need the especially you know telling the progressives thank you and stay strong um, but finally Tom you know before long before the neo-confederate fascists invaded the Capitol chanting 1776 we had a wannabe king occupying the White House for four years he succeeded in converting all but a handful of elected Republicans into becoming loyal subjects um, and in my opinion we need to go all out in every election to keep these anti-democratic forces from regaining power Turning and turning us all into peasants and serfs. So whether it's India Walton for mayor or Terry McAuliffe for governor, every election matters now. And to everyone listening, let's focus on winning Buffalo, Virginia, New Jersey this weekend. Your thoughts, Tom, and thanks for all you do. Yeah, I'm with you, Jeff. There's there's some very consequential elections coming up, and we need to pay attention to them. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you caught the call uh, earlier from uh, Sydney, I believe her name was, who is uh, you know writing postcards and making phone calls into Virginia, and you know she's a real on-the-ground activist, and and uh, you know what a great role model for all of us. Jeff, I got I got to run, but thank you for the call. Uh, Mark Taylor Canfield in Seattle. Hey, Mark, what's up? Uh, donate to free speech uh, television, and we need independent media in this country. I have a situation here in Seattle, uh, Tom, where it looks like a law and order style Republican may become our new city attorney replacing the current city attorney, Pete Holmes, who was a reform-minded guy who was very proud of the pot that he bought at Seattle's first legal pot shop. And I've always kept his business card in my wallet in case I got arrested as a journalist while covering the protests. But Pete lost his seat in the three-way race during the primary. And now Ann Davison, who switched from the Democratic Party to the Republicans last year, is now ahead in the polls, largely due to a big smear campaign sponsored by conservative business interests, including Vulcan, the real estate and construction empire built by Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen. And they're casting the public defender running against Davison, and her name is Nicole Thomas-Kennedy. 
they're casting her as some crazy anti-cop radical claiming that based on her past tweets she encourages writing she hates cops and will refuse to prosecute most cases that are brought before her which are all big exaggerations of course and um she nicole thomas kennedy is certainly no radical anarchist but she was outraged by police brutality perpetrated against the black lives matter protesters last year and spoke so out is your election there in seattle next tuesday Yes, it's coming up on Tuesday, and unfortunately, Davis and the Republican is ahead in the polls. Now, luckily, there are a lot of undecideds in these recent polls, so it could switch at the last moment. But it's not looking good right now for police reform in Seattle, considering uh, Davison's attitude about the police department. And why are Seattle and Portland always these scapegoats for everything that the right wing thinks is wrong with liberal politics? Tom, I'm really getting tired of it. The smear campaign is just propaganda. Well, I can't simple. speak for Seattle, Mark, but I can tell you that in Portland, in my opinion, uh, my respectful opinion, uh, this city has not been well run. Uh, we've got we've got some serious problems that are not being addressed by the city council and by the mayor. And uh, so there's a there's a whole movement here uh, called uh, a better Portland. Or, I'm, I'm forgetting the title of it, but there's a whole movement here that it is totally nonpartisan. To, to do something about it. And it's not to get Republicans in office. But Mark, good luck there. I wish you the very best and, and, uh, and Seattle as well. And my apologies to everybody else. Give us a shout next week and we'll continue the conversation. Special thanks to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer. Uh, we should call her Joyce the Zombie Nance. Um, <laughs> or Vance, excuse me. Nigel Peacock, Sue Nethercutt, Patrick White, Geraldine Halbert, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Spross, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, Jabbermocky, Jay LeBlanc, Connor Arroyo, and Carna Verde. Have a great weekend. Get active. There's an election coming up. Make sure everybody you know is ready to go. Tag your it. We'll see you, see you on You've Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.